I know your parents tell you that you're special and that you can be anything you want to be. But think of it this way. So did mine. prepared a book report more befitting this film i think so excited <clears throat> gather ye children of video high and hark in this tale if ye dare of wizards and princess from time long gone by who still teased and feathered their hair <laughs> in medieval england we'll set our scene but worry not for it's not where we stay for through the dark art of lazy green screen We'll travel to downtown L.A. With Michael and Ulrich, two stepbrothers whom Old Merlin taught powers great Arrested by king and faced with their doom Pledge their heads to the head of state Evil Salatin stole Princess away As part of his dastardly plan to be Lord of Magic if he gets his way, and not just some cape-wearing ham. <laughs> to the future our brave brothers go, uncertain what will be anon. When they face in battle a terrible foe, a not but from a weenie named Tom. <laughs> Along the way with a treat for the eyes, thou mouths will be left agape. These special effects will leave thou surprised It was all shot on videotape <laughs> So class, open up your textbook of tricks For a spelling test we may observe The movie sure puts the ick in magic So let's give it what it deserves <laughs> Class, I present to you The Lords of Magic Huzzah! 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 of swordsmen and sorcerers in a kingdom where magic reigns. Two brothers in arms. What hast thou done to my brother? Thou hast no brother. Against demon warriors and the Lord Salatin. <laughs> I, Michael Redland, Merlinite wizard, challenge thee to conquer by magic. Join the quest when you become one of the Lords of Magic. Adventure is about to begin. Casey, would you like to call roll? Yes, I will. Um, Jamie Kennedy. Present, coming to you live from the city with no angels. <laughs> uh, Gregory Hansen. I love this movie more than I care to admit, uh, and I just admitted it, so I think I have to leave. <laughs> Joshua Roth. I cast magic missile at fifth level. <laughs> I am Casey Regan. I am sir of mixed opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Casey, you are in the hard minority, I think. Guys, I wish I could use Michael's magical power to restore a maiden head, but for to wipe my brain of this movie so I can watch it again. <laughs> but only 
to relive the magic. Only to relive the magic. <laughs> yeah, it had something. It certainly had a certain je ne sais quoi. Like, I don't know if it was just, like, I felt nostalgic for my time playing, like, PC point-and-click adventure games. Like, it had a very, like, early 90s video game cutscene vibe that I did get down with. So, this movie opens not with a text crawl, but with a literal text scroll. We get some, that you cannot read. You cannot like, read. It is the most illegible opening text I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, JB, I got good news for you. There's a narrator. There is a narrator. And like straight out of the gate, he says, in the year of our Lord, 968, in which I wrote down, wait, does Jesus exist in this fantasy world? And then a scene later, yes, someone yells, Jesus Christ, as he's being killed. So confirmed, (laughs) Jesus is canonical in this land of magic. Yeah, well, I mean, water into wine, uh, nonstop bread and fish, necromancy. Isn't Jesus the real Lord of magic? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Amen. I I need you to tell me. (laughs) We didn't learn that in Hebrew school. So what did this opening crawl say? I honestly don't remember. Uh, (laughs) Or not crawl, scroll, sorry. Very basically, it it just says the year 968, uh, the evil Salatin sort of declared that if he were to wed and bed royalty, he would uh, be Lord of Magic forever. Uh, Rise (laughs) up and... I don't know, do some whatever whatever Salatin <laughs> wants. <laughs> you can't get well, I couldn't get my head around this Salatin guy. And don't forget that Salatin has to be defeated by white magic. White magic. White. I mean, as with most text scrolls, none of this really matters that much. Yeah. Uh, you know, enough that you uh, there's a bad wizard, he's he he needs a a wife. We've got two uh, bemulleted, possibly Canadian gentlemen <laughs> in white frocks yeah. getting down. Uh, yeah, this movie follows a couple roadies for the band Loverboy as they <laughs> like, gain in magic power and ability and fight the forces of evil. Really, it's just one force of evil, and and he oh, just singular. He's like a he's like a puppet master again, of all of the other forces of evil. Well, there are. It, this is the thing. Is like later in the movie, we are hinted towards a whole universe of evil. Why not use your opening <laughs> scroll to explain the old ones and like this? Oh, like, they can't deliver on that. But I, <laughs> we don't have the budget. I also sort of love that they kept it mysterious. Mm-hmm. Like the central story has nothing to do with this almost like Lovecraftian eternal ones that are just sort of referenced and like we meet one messenger of the old ones and then we overhear a conversation later between Salatin and a sort of like priest of the old ones but we don't that's not a part of the movie we're watching that's part of another movie that is happening concurrently I'm glad that you said Lovecraft because this movie puts the love in Lovecraft (laughs) oh yeah I mean we will get to a lot of examples of it but this movie fucks. It does. This movie is lascivious. Yeah, I well, think in the opening, the fact that the castle looks like the set of a porno immediately hints you like, this movie fucks. We do not have any evidence that this is not a set of a porno. That's a very good point. We don't. But except my counter argument that it's um, a Sunday afternoon CBS fairy tale presentation. That's really what the set is from and the cinematography. <laughs> I would even say, and I'm just going to seed this. This is some foreshadowing for something I want to talk about later. There's some very serious evidence that this was the set of a porno. And I, I, w- am, 
I'm upset that you also found this out because I do. I I what? Uh, Greg, I just <laughs> I I'm glad you and I are here. Josh Jamie is very exciting. Oh my god! I can't wait to learn more about. This. I don't want to say too much because it is kind of I've done it a, a different ripoff report card than usual, and and it's in that. Oh, we'll find out in the ripoff report card. <laughs> yes, okay. fair. We so, start with the Porno Castle. Yeah, we start in Porno Castle. Porno, porno Castle. Salatin is storming the castle to steal away Princess Luna. And that intro scene was badass. He wasn't storming so much as just literally rolling through it like a steamroller. The guy is just like, yep. he's just walking. You're dead. You're dead. He uses a Nintendo Power Glove to punch through a man. Yeah, oh. with, not punch through him. He uses his, his powers as like a tractor beam to pull the oh. guy onto and through his fist. Or not through his fist. Pull the guy yeah. through his arm? Yep. He pulls the guy to his elbow. It's just his fist and forearm <laughs> are in the way. So it goes through the guy. And then he lasers a woman's eyes off. Not to the point where like like her eyes have been lasered out. Yeah. It is a smooth face. <laughs> no eyeballs. I loved it. He lasers a woman's eyes away. Away, away. Like non-existent. Yeah, God, that is some serious LASIK. Yeah, they were never there, and it's also not the last eye lasers. This movie has so many wall eye lasers. Wall-to-wall eye lasers. It's like, like it's not even just the powerful characters. It's any like prop has eye lasers in this. Movie. There was some also some very good use of like POV monster cam, which mm -hmm. I always appreciate. Even in that opening scene, we don't really see Salatin. Yeah. He is just sort of this stalking force who, like, kills things in his way. We don't see him. And when we do, it's a letdown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very effective. We see him later. It's not great. Yeah. <laughs> the first scene They we were get... like, we, we, want it. We, have to, we have to hide him from you in this scene because it is not going to be effective if it's we don't. It's the Jaws effect. It's the Jaws effect. <laughs> just, oh, hide it, hide it, hide it. Absolutely. Sometimes it's better unseen. Yeah, the longer that Salatin is just sort of stalking under the ocean surface, the better. Because, yeah, when we first saw him and saw him speak and deliver lines, I, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> We've got so much movie left with this fucking Joker. <laughs> yeah, so he steals uh, Princess Luna. He The thing that I love is we, we, we cut away from Luna being like, father, like, help me, like, daddy. And then the theme song comes in and it 100% and sounds like the next generation theme song for the Sega Genesis game version of the next generation. <laughs> we then meet after that cold open, and it's that cold fucking blooded open. We <laughs> we are out in a foggy glen, and we meet our two heroes, brother wizards Michael and Ulrich. Red Glenn. And Ulrich is out to get his brother laid. Lay, baby! He has one goal in this entire fucking movie. Yeah, because <laughs> this... That. Yeah, because this movie's first priority is making sure we know that our main characters, they, they fucking dip their wands into some... <laughs> no, but Michael doesn't! He's the sweet little virgin baby! Oh. Yeah, I'm not sure how hard he's trying, but Ulrich is certainly trying. Well, he's not trying very hard because his game at the bar that they go to is to find the loneliest girl sitting at a table who looks he's, sad he's, and just... He's trying all the moves. 
Michael strikes out for most of this movie. He's still spitting game. He's just, uh, he's just bad at it. He's got no ability to chat a wench up. Like, she just wants to be left alone, Michael, and he keeps asking questions, culminating in, I can do magic. I can, uh... I can find lost friends, uh, exercise ghosts, cure the plague, uh, turn frogs into toads, restore maidenheads. The background actors in this tavern were... My favorite part of the entire well, film. Fun fact about these background actors. Uh, they were members of the Society for Creative Anachronism, and they were hired for extras for this film because they could supply their own costumes. And they taught the stars to sing that tavern song, The Ball of Karen Moore. So they were heavy lifting in this in this movie. <laughs> the Society of Creative and I don't know who my favorite was. Was it Sad Young Woman or was it Community Theater Gaston? Oh, Community Theater Gaston, for sure. Uh, I will say for the rest of the episode, V cannot say women. V has to say wench. V must say <laughs> Well, except except the princess, my lord. Never call a princess a wench. Well, a, a princess is different. Yeah. But Ellen is for sure a wench. <laughs> uh, is Ellen t- Tommy's girlfriend? Wet, wet blanket girlfriend? Yeah, yeah, fucking wenches be trifling. Right? <laughs> uh, the Society of Creative Anachronisms? Yeah. It's <laughs> a great name for a society. If you're going to name a society, have the words creative and anachronism. Soka? Soka work It's so on this good. Movie? And they definitely all go to the Renaissance Fair every year, and I love it. Oh, they definitely go. And I miss it. I mean, everyone in this movie sounds and looks like they were actually rejected from a Renaissance Fair. I am still stuck on the Society of Creative Anachronism. <laughs> you want fun mistakes in your movie? We'll put them in. <laughs> yeah, we got it. Did most of their attention focus on Michael's jerry curl? Was that their creative anachronism <laughs> they put into this medieval? Yeah, oh. uh, Ulrich's, like, Alan Rickman and Robin Hood Prince of Thieves look? Is that their, <laughs> their creative anachronism they focused on? The guards come in and easily knock them out. Yeah. Well, they're singing a body song. Don't do that to people while they're singing body songs. And then we cut to another scene where they have lost their shirts. And then, so, <laughs> I was very unclear. Was this guy the, the actual king? He yeah, was the king? He was the real king. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't well, sure if he was think? a king or just a judge. <laughs> no, he's the king. He, he, it was his daughter he's looking for. Oh, you're right. Did he <sighs> not carry himself with the majesty of royalty? <laughs> Uh, I mean, he carried himself with the majesty of uh, a guy who had his own king outfit yeah. that he brought to set. No, you. Can't. He was King Cullen. Yeah, you. Can't. <laughs> <laughs> he was Burger King. <laughs> king Cullen is a supermarket in the New York area. Just oh, FYI. okay. Thank you. I yeah, had that this too. is this is a be a jazz joke. Everybody else can fuck off. No, you could tell he was Long the king because you know, like all royalty, had a teardrop brand on his uh, collarbone. <laughs> No. I thought it was Yo, you got a teardrop on your collarbone, baby. You got bodies. On <laughs> Speaking of killing, oh my god! So they, their crime was that they brought an ungrateful duke back to life after he was torn apart by bandits. Total His monologue about what the mad bandits did to him, like I thought it was culminating in a Monty Python thing. Is like so, uh, this morning while on the king's business. 
I was attacked by vile bandits. They cut off my hands, my feet, my ears, and my balls, and still I spoke not. They gouged out my eyes and split my belly open, and though I did plead for mercy, still I did not divulge thy royal secret. Finally, they tired of their sport, slit my throat. I got better! <laughs> they, they gave me a nookie, they, they dumped my books. <laughs> oh, they made fun of they me. They ripped up my homework. Yeah. And then these very nice men came along and brought me back and put me back together. I want them arrested. It doesn't matter. Necromancy is a crime. Yeah, punishable but... by death. Necromancy is a crime. That is the law. Yeah, so thankfully, before they are burned alive or beheaded, uh, Michael argues in his and his brother's defense and argues or begs mercilessly (laughs) yeah exactly he he begs but then when the king tries to get a guard to uh put uh put his gag back in he says gag me and i shall turn you into a frog and then i guess into a toad since that's one of his powers (laughs) (laughs) one of his back to frog toad frog toad frog toad i'll just kind of do that over and over again (laughs) <laughs> Unless, of course, you need a hymen. I can give you one of those. <laughs> Instead of being put to death, they pledge themselves to the king, and the king enlists them to go after the evil Lord Salatin, who has made off with the Princess Luna. And Ulrich goes, All right, I'll just start making my own bonfire. Never mind. <laughs> that was a pretty good line. I, 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 yeah, I thought that was that. pretty that's, funny. Yeah, it's great. They're like, No, we're not going to do that. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Then Ulrich then says, yes, we will go after Salatin. We, you know, it's time to take down that, that motherfucker. And the king says, you will know the princess by her mark. And he, li- he opens his shirt to show a brand or birthmark of, like, a teardrop on his collarbone area, which it leads to a lot of upsetting moments in this movie. <laughs> Yes, oh. does. What? <laughs> because, oh, does it? Uh, like, what I was expecting from that was that maybe later in the movie, Salatin will have, like, enlisted some witch or demon to pretend to be the princess, and then they'd see she doesn't have the mark and know it's not really the princess. But in this movie, the princess isn't hiding, isn't pretending to be anyone but the princess. Like, they know the princess's name. They just need to say, are you the princess? And she'd be like, verily. Uh, (laughs) So really, the birthmark gag is just an excuse for these actors to, like, grope. Every woman that they come across. Every Every single woman. I I didn't like it. (laughs) It was, no, it was deeply upsetting. Because, like, it wasn't even, like, like, I feel like maybe that joke, if I'm remembering correctly, was kind of done a couple of times in Robin Hood Men in Tights. But, like, there's, like, a Mel Brooks handling it where, like, it's funny. And then there's this where you're like, ah, they are just like attacking this woman yeah and the man probably gets punched yeah 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 and like it's two on one and you're like "Uh no i would be afraid for all these women it was a reach and then like a oh slap yeah that's one thing ha ha and they're like we don't understand women in our time love to be molested Uh, (laughs) that would be one thing but yeah like the instances in this movie are like michael arm barring the woman and ulrich going straight for the chest and the woman like help screaming help 
in an alleyway. Like this, which is... to the credit of 1989 Los Angeles, like a lot of people actually answer the call to be like, "Yo, that's not okay." <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about it, maybe we're actually the perverts here who want our like scenes of molestation to be hijinky and fun <laughs> when, and this oh. movie was just presenting a very realistic it's like, not afraid to get real this is real <laughs> <laughs> so after they see the birthmark and they're like okay so we gotta grope every woman we see cool thanks king and the king's like wait what you're gonna what ah, what, what? And they leave and they so quickly go from like, all right, we're off on our quest. Let's resurrect a man and use his body to speak to demons. Yeah, but they don't resurrect him. They cast speak with dead. There is a difference. They don't even <laughs> cast speak with dead. They cast like speak with eternal elder gods. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's true. Evil. That's true. He Talk was just a vessel. All. Yeah. That's the most horrifying part is they use him as a, like a speaker folk. <laughs> well, they come upon uh, lots of things. Hey. Uh, but they come upon like a dead body hanging by the wrists from a tree and then use their powers to speak to the old ones a sort of like ancient evil and I thought that was rad like that was like a really cool I don't know if the like whether the point the movie was saying they could do that with anybody or this is like a checkpoint like this is what this body is here for like (laughs) oh I kind of like that idea who seeks audience with the old ones? Ulrich Redglen. And his brother, Michael. We are Merlinite wizards. Merlinites? Your order forbids you to speak with us. Are you renegades? Not so, old one. We are challenging Salatin to combat. Where shall we seek you? Ah, that would amuse us. But really all we get from it is told where Salatin's altar is. The altar of skulls. And then because the old ones are nothing if not really sassy, they throw down the truth bomb that, uh, surprise, surprise, motherfucker, you ain't even really brothers. You're (laughs) stepbrothers. And apparently everyone knew this but Michael. Yeah. Yeah, Ulrich is like, yeah, I knew. Why did this matter? I just didn't know what to tell you. Poor, Uh, sweet, moist-haired Michael. Just had no idea. I like how that, like, in a normal movie, that would have been a, a big reveal as, like, a midpoint in the movie. This just kind of throws it out within the first 15 minutes, and they're just like, yeah, 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 it's okay. You guys aren't really brothers. And they're like, should we deal with this? And they're like, nah, 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 keep going. Which I, <laughs> Will this come I back like, in any way? No, don't worry nah, about nah, it. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. No, and that's, like, the way that the screenwriter was just like, just like, keep going forward. Like, they're like, okay, well. We've got uh, we've got knights. We've got uh, wizards. We have, we have a king. We've got a princess that needs saving. Uh, we have an evil wizard. Altar of skulls sounds cool. Why, why don't we talk to the dead? And then somebody's like, "That seems like enough." And he's just like, "No, keep going." <laughs> <laughs> we go to L.A. in the eighties. So really, L.A. in the eighties. He's just like, yeah, yeah. And then, he, and then they fight zombie gang members. Like, zombie, this is getting a little off the track. Like, there's a fight in a box factory. <laughs> I can't wait to get to the box factory. Oh, the box factory. <laughs> this movie is the cinematic equivalent to if you can't tie a knot, tie a lot. 
Yeah, because it really trucks. And the fact, and really, the fact that it is bumming you out is like is making me furious because like it gave you everything, Casey. It gave you everything. Ulrich is a creep. Yes, and and the movie doesn't try to make bones about it. He, it's not like like he's a hero, but he's like definitely like a like a shitty antihero. Like you're not supposed to be like, yeah. oh, Ulrich, I want to be him. Like dude, dude's got a big dick. Like the movie's sheer sort of velocity where they're just like. Okay, here's all of this insane information, and then not 15 minutes into the movie, we're at the altar of skulls. That's the <laughs> that's the end of worse movies. Is the altar of skulls? Yeah. <laughs> I will definitely concede that this movie does in 15 w- minutes what like most lesser movies do in 90. Like they go to Salatin's altar of skulls and piss on it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they were gonna chant something, you know, the right way, and Michael's like, "We don't have time for this. Yeah, we don't Just have time. piss on Just it." Piss on his altar. They bring upon themselves the ire of Salatin, and then they consult very quickly with Tiny Merlin. <laughs> We can talk about that scene. I just want to say that it's like that movie's first few minutes. They like. They're they're trucking so fast and they're throwing so much magic and information at us and plot at us so quickly that like when they consult with Tiny Merlin and he sends them <laughs> forward a thousand years, when we see that first like Pontiac Grand Am in the eighties, <laughs> I I had whiplash. My brain like it, like my brain stopped working. It was like where where are we? Oh, no, 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 no. We we had to rewind the scene. After we watched the whole movie, we had to rewind to the scene because I was like, wait, what was that scene? And so, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Basically, they consult with Saladin, and because they, like, issue him a challenge, which I guess is the challenge of vengeance because he murdered Michael's real father. Mm. Um, so because they issued that challenge, he is beholden by Lord of Magic rules slash honored. Basically, give them a riddle of where to find him. <laughs> like they're <laughs> he tells like, them exactly exactly where, where to find him. Like he could hide out forever and until like he has sired that child with the princess. But he's like, like no, nah, come come on, bros, come and find me. Come, yeah, yeah, it's the wizard equivalent of come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's his hubris. This is his, this is his fate flaw that and his really really bad mustache <laughs> release the princess but prepare for wizardly combat ha the mouse challenges the wolf start a thousand years seek and there are no angels it was never over Maybe what I I find again, it's like like with the all the groping scenes. What I find objectionable isn't the fun of the movie. It's that the movie where it treads on realism is like the, the people of that time and how they would treat women and like people of color and things like that. Because <laughs> the first thing the first thing that happens when they transport to nineteen uh, eighties uh, L.A. I mean, look if you wanna get me rock hard for a movie put time travel in it i was so fucking oh yeah jazzed. kate and leopold eat your heart out <laughs> bringing medieval wizards into 1980s la is badass it is a stroke of genius it is really really awesome but the first person that they interact with when they get to 1980s la is uh, a young black kid who Ulrich attacks with a sword for the crime of walking by them. (laughs) So I actually have an interesting bit of trivia here, which explains this, which is the, the original intent of the scene was 
the kid turns on his boombox and the music startles Ulrich in a way. And so he like freaks out and doesn't realize what's happening. But then they never put the music into the movie. (laughs) And so the scene reads, yeah, very strangely where it's It's just like, he's like walking by and then suddenly Ulrich is very like, "Uh oh, there's a guy here. But again, (laughs) maybe it's, maybe it's actually brilliant because like for a like fun sword and sorcery fantasy movie, I wanted my sexual assault to be like silly. And I didn't want to think about a, a, Inc- race relations, race relations <laughs> from the year nine eighty eight, but maybe that's my that's are. my hang up, and this movie is presenting the world as it is. If you want a movie about time travelers from the medieval past who come to the relative present, just watch Just Visiting because it's this movie but better. Uh, a, how dare you? And B, <laughs> uh, Beastmaster Two also did this, and both of uh, which. I guess it did. Uh, honestly ripped it off because this movie came out a long time before it. Kate and Leopold. <laughs> America. <laughs> then we get a fun scene where the, the young boy goes to the LAPD. Yeah, the, the cop pulls a gun on Ulrich. Ulrich pulls out his sword and yells, Mine is bigger than thine yield! <laughs> I mean, for late 80s LAPD, they show a lot of restraint. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, based on the non-reactions of the crowd, though, also the cops arresting a bunch of dudes in frocks and swords in the late 80s apparently is not a big thing. <laughs> not, nope. not on Hollywood Boulevard. So no, everyone thought it was regular. a bit. Like, literally that whole crowd thought it was a bit. When they show up again, when, like, when they escape the cop car with magic, everyone's like, ooh! Yeah, you're like, I knew it! I knew no, it! No, great, no, no, great. no, no, no. <laughs> like, like, Elric and Michael are taken away in the squad car, but then with a little sparkle on the screen they walk out of the crowd as if haha we've bested the police we escaped their clutches and like three or four people clap which was the director's i'm sure intention for the crowd to do the rest of the crowd is their faces are going like what's is this a movie what's going on <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're staring quickly yeah they're they're staring directly at uh, the, camera, the camera, the crew behind. <laughs> there, you can see someone mouth like are those are those muffins for everyone. <laughs> well, what's funny is that, like, ostensibly, this movie also posits that you could David Copperfield out of a cop car onto Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> Everybody would just be like, "Oh wow!" and then just leave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The next scene is they walk into a Sunset Boulevard local community theater doing the Princess and the Pea, and this is the most accurate thing I've ever seen. Uh, The the nerve of a movie like this to show amateur theater. The balls. The balls on this movie. How dare this movie make jokes about bad actors. This movie, a community theater production, makes fun of community theater productions. I can't hate it because I've seen, I have walked into that theater on sunset and sat there for two hours and been like why did i come here and it's and it's that it was just that scene it was so accurate you're like for, for a play called the seagull there's there's no birds <laughs> <laughs> 
lot of projections in this performance of the last five years. I don't know why we need these clip art projections. Raisins in the sun. How else do you make raisins? <laughs> Maybe we're being unfair because there, no. there is a no. Definitely not. <laughs> but maybe we're being unfair because then a stage manager comes out and confuses Michael and Ulrich for like having stolen costumes from community theater. This might be the, I mean, this is the movie making fun of itself. This is like self-referential. Well, th- I will say though, this is also the second time in the movie that it does make fun of itself. Like earlier, the, uh, the dead guy goes, Oh, uh, 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 another princess rescue mission. Like, how common? And I was like, ooh. Yeah. Um, movies seed movies. Uh, so they leave. This is what they leave the theater in. This is, is this our first This is our first, groping. our first groping. It's our first groping. Our first, not last yep. groping. Well, they, they attack the actor because they think that she's the princess. Right. She was right. dressed like a princess, to be fair. Yes. And we get the wonderful line. No, what are you doing? We be thy friends. Let us see that which makes it special. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Which easily could be interpreted by a woman in 1989 as uh, disgusting. Yeah. So then a crowd of people, of of good Samaritans, the the true heroes of the movie, come to help this woman who is being attacked by these two maniacs. And they use their magic to freeze them. This movie, it is very much a fish-out-of-water story. It's about these these two wizards from medieval England who are now in, like, modern-day Los Angeles. But at every turn where their use of magic should, like, shock and awe everybody, no one reacts like that. Like, the next scene is their first fight with the street gang. Yes. Oh, I have a thought about this. I have so much about this, but, like, again, like, I was struck by how committed this street gang was to attacking these two guys, even in the face of magic. In the face of, of, like... (laughs) No, 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 they weren't just... They didn't notice the magic. Here's what I loved about this, is, like, they were unfazed by these people who were clearly out of time, because I think... They, they think they called them, like, a rival gang, like, positing that this is, like, the warriors, basically, yes. and each gang in Los Angeles has a different theme that they're running around with, and they're like, whoa, 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 medieval sword bros are on our turf right now? We can't have that. We can't have that. And that's why they attacked him. Merlinites come out to play! I just love that because I love the idea that all of these old musical theater majors that get out of UCLA just immediately like turn to crack and then like they're like you know what we can do we can rule the streets with our old costume (laughs) (laughs) but they do but Jamie I I will push back is like throughout the fight yes there are times when like maybe you can say that when Ulrich is sword fighting with the gang member who has two huge fucking machetes (laughs) uh, that like sparks coming off the sword might not read as magic to them but there are times when like michael uses straight up laser beams out of his wrist to fight off these gang members and then at one point to try and get away he like calls forth a bunch of georgia o'keefe paintings that just like float through the sky these like fucking ridley scott face huggers appear suddenly and the gang reacts to them so like they're seeing magic they're seeing things that are not within the realm of what we would understand as reality later in that scene we meet thomas who we learn is like an amateur student of magic (laughs) so i think that you know in different sort of fish out of water movies 
You're right. The... Lesser, lesser, lesser. Ones. Thank you. Lesser fish out of water movies. <laughs> it would be like they have magic. The world isn't ready for magic. And Thomas is like, you might be able to read this movie where like Thomas is just like one of a small freak contingent who like nerds out about magic. But I actually think that in this universe, like magic is fairly common. We don't see it, but like magic is just true. It's not that they they get transported Ooh. from fantasy to realist reality. Reality mm. throughout this whole movie has magic in it. Frankly, that makes the most sense of anything I've heard so far about this like, movie. The library is filled with genuine magic books. Yeah. <laughs> that, the librarian is not surprised. This isn't a movie about like society, humanity, whatever left magic in our in our medieval in the times legends. into legends. This is a universe where magic is still a part of the world. That's why the crowd who sees them disappear out of the cop car just reacts with like tepid applause and why the, <laughs> the street like, gang... I've seen better. Right, right. <laughs> and why the street gang after being shot with like hand lasers is still like, yeah, I mean, we're still gonna snatch the that wallet if you got it. <laughs> but... To, to your point, I think you're sort of on to something, and I think that there's a little historical context here in terms of the movie was shot in 1986, which is pretty much the height of the satanic panic in the 80s. Mm. And, and the satanic panic basically posits that not only is magic and cultists and devil worshippers real, but that they are doing these nefarious deeds behind closed doors doors that you see all the time. And, and and that was very real in terms of cases brought against people for doing these types of things, quote unquote. And so and, and obviously, I mean, I think the movie does take it tongue in cheek in a huge way. But like in 1986, the idea of a, of a, a magic believing populace isn't actually that far fetched. The, the fight in the alley ends so abruptly because they're they're on the ropes like Michael and Ulrich are, can't get this spell out. They just like they can't get the words out. And then you see like a guy in a window and then they cut into the guy's apartment. He pulls out a tome and recites the proper incantation that they then repeat immediately, immediately. knows it immediately. Has it bookmarked? I hope we live long enough to get old. And then they teleport into the fucking bedroom. They cut from a fight scene. And I will say a good fight scene. Yeah, These guys good. are are like, I've seen much, much worse fight scenes. Yes. Choreographed in in way better movies. These guys are really going for it. And, you know. It Ulrich is... at one point does what I call the Barishna kick. Where he he like he, he jumps up and like kicks two guys who are standing at either side of him. He, they do the like run up the wall flip thing. Great hamstrings. He must have great. Some hamstrings. good moves. Yeah, we learn that it's that this character is Thomas, and he helps them finish a spell which transports you out of danger and into uh, molesting Women's his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it's only in talking to you guys that I that that I, I it made me think about this. But is the idea that 
they end up in her room and they're not molesting her as much as trying to see if she has the mark. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It, but just that it looks like they do so violently and with a plot. But they also yeah. don't yeah. say that. And so I actually didn't get that. I was like, why are they handsy with her? So like, <laughs> It's crazy. It's just every woman wench they see, they immediately, first thing is like, well, we got to check yeah. if it's the princess. <laughs> like they don't even ask, like, excuse me, do you have a birthmark right. that looks like They don't have right time here? for that shit. Yeah, they're expecting <laughs> that the princess would be like, hey, I'm not the princess. But, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what Stockholm you're about. syndrome is nothing to joke about. That's true. Sorry. You're right, Jamie. Hey, Jamie. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. And you're right. Uh. So the, ton- the tonal whiplashes in this scene I love because basically Thomas saves their lives and instantly they start molesting yeah, his girlfriend. Then right in retribution, Thomas starts attacking them. They start attacking him. They have him pinned up against the wall with a sword, like ready to stick him through and kill him, basically. And then we hard cut to them sharing some brewskis <laughs> and bread and just shooting the shit. <laughs> I've had I've had parties go in worse directions. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so Ulrich is double fisting. Sprite and like whiskey. Yeah, he's yeah, it's seven. Like, it's seven and seven. He makes it seven. He makes his own seven and seven. He makes it in his mouth and he uses magic. So this is after he's uh, ripping off the, the, her, the her shirt in the bedroom yeah, in yeah, the yeah. previous scene. He then uses magic to again undress Ellen. Wizard's my ass. Thy wish is my command. Like, Ellen is an interesting character because Ellen is girlfriends with Thomas, who is the milkiest of toast person. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, like, wizards my ass and seems to not trust that these guys are wizards is like a first reading of the scene. But again, when Ulrich uses what is obviously not illusion, what is like clearly magic to open her robe... She doesn't react like, oh my god, magic's real. She reacts like, hey, come on, you guys. Like, I imagine that Thomas has used the same incantation oh, multiple definitely. times. <laughs> so Thomas Thomas agrees to help them with the promise of they will make him a wizard. Which is unclear to me how they would do that. Well, later on they explain when you beat a wizard in a battle, you receive some of his power, no, basically. No, just Saladin gets that. No, no, no. no. He's like, because he, he said, he said, I'm going to make you a wizard. And he's like, but how? Well, in, when you battle a wizard, you get some of his, and you oh, defeat them. Like, they said, just like, we're going to make good on our promise, but you have to help us fight Saladin, basically, directly, because otherwise, that's the only way to transfer magic because to you. Because Michael and Ulrich know neither the rules nor the roads of this world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of roads, they walk outside and Saladin possesses a car. Yeah. The, fu- the movie Christine breaks out suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> he possesses a car, which uh, threatens to run the th- our new uh, our now trio of heroes down. This scene could have used some cuts. I will say the chase goes on a, a long time. I so disagree with that. I could have watched the self-driving murder car. Four hours. I c- that's a zen place for me. I could just watch it just coming at me, just like like a loop of, of it coming close and then backing off and then coming close and backing off. Oh, well, Greg, I got good news for you because as soon as this scene is over, we have, how long was it? Like all you see for like 
watch a minute and a half our headlights and you hear Thomas calling the cops like Hello? Tommy, this is Hank. I ran that plate for you. It belongs to Salvatore Tino, Hobbs Horse Farm in New Home. Oh, great. Oh, thanks, Sarge. I owe you one. They didn't trust we, the audience, would believe that since he has the license plate, they can find the address it's attached to. Oh, why would you? And it belongs to Salvatore Tino. Oh. Salvatore Tino. Salvatore Tino. That name, that name sounds so familiar. What? No, I don't. Salvatore Tino. Reputable businessman. Salvatore Tino. Salvatino! Saltini! You did not come to the right name at no. all. No, the villain. No, the villain of this movie, Josh. Saltini. Saladin. Saladin, our, our villain. And of course, Salvatore Tino uh, lives in a house out of Scooby Doo. Please, Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows, absolutely Dark Shadows house. The dry ice budget of this movie. This movie really like sculpts with fog. So it's a it's a fog ballet. This movie. I just love this movie because again tonal shift to spooky spooky mansion in the middle of nowhere. Like and then and then we are in the Dark Shadows house and it looks and because the movie was shot on on Beta SP, it looks. Like a Dark Shadows episode, like like yeah, I it's it, it's where I was I, like I had that moment where I was just like, this is the best soap opera I've ever seen. It, does. <laughs> it really does make its way through like all '80s genre movies in that like 15 Ooh, minutes. Ooh, yeah, and I mean it's impressive. I don't know if it's it makes a coherent film, but it is impressive. It is impressive. Where it starts as like Streets of Fire Warriors, then becomes Animal House, then becomes Christine, then becomes Dark Shadows, <laughs> Army of Darkness, oh. which, which doesn't you know it almost doesn't count because it's a it's a person going back in time. That's the opposite. But this movie did it. Seven years before. You know what? You're not wrong. Because it even has, in this scene, the, it has a skeleton warrior that comes out of the coffin. Oh, this movie steals hard from the Evil Dead series. The De Dead by Dawn Librarian is maybe my favorite thing. In the oh, my oh, God. Oh, God. We have to get to the Dead Eye oh. Librarian. She... <laughs> And even the reveal of it is like uh, Thomas is just sort of like, what's that? And then it like pans very quickly to over his shoulders, just like, get my dog! Overdue books! Overdue books! <laughs> but where this movie does separate itself is the, the laser-eyed skeleton is not a villain. The laser-eyed skeleton doesn't... Oh. Is, is a guide. The laser-eyed skeleton doesn't shoot at Thomas. The laser-eyed skeleton shoots open the hidden door to reveal Salatin and Princess Luna. Like, really, really, this wouldn't, they wouldn't have completed their quest if it weren't for this very helpful skeleton. <laughs> I also love, so they go through the secret passage, and then Luna is floating like she's doing, a, like, a Jeff Burton special. And, <laughs> and, and we finally see Salatin for the first time. Oh. Big reveal. Big reveal. Oh, and God. he is, again... Very underwhelming. <laughs> so, yeah, they see Princess Luna is just floating there, and Ulrich immediately goes straight for the boob to make sure she's got that teardrop, which she does. 
Which, like, but also, like, kind of unnecessary at that right, point. Right, like, Who else? She's floating. What a, it's the what princess. What a crazy coincidence it would be if it wasn't the Well, princess. well, well, well. Saladin could have made a decoy princess. Yeah. And like, that's true. So, that's true. Which I, would you know. justify the whole teardrop thing. As opposed to just yeah, being... But, which never pays off. But there's no payoff. And then we, yeah, like Greg said, we truly meet Salatin. And it is, oh, it is such a fucking fart. It is such a... <laughs> like, from his first line, which I'm going to make sure I get this right. Uh, Salatin's first line is... Gah! <laughs> <laughs> Wanted to make sure I got that wording right. <laughs> He is just <laughs> fucking. This he is hamming it up. This is no, this movie is not kosher. There is he is he is fucking hamming his way through this whole movie. I mean, look, he's having a great time, and I like watching actors like really enjoying. But he is he he he's he's chewing on that scenery, baby. And the makeup and costume and just everything about Saladin is so disappointing he wears like an overcoat and just boots he's got a cape, <laughs> he's got a cape josh Salada looks like frankenstein won death race 2000 and his presence is a mustache <laughs> and superpower <laughs> uh, he tried to grow a mustache very unsuccessfully this is like it's a teenage mustache he looks like tom selly going to a bdsm club <laughs> i love i will take no more shitting on Saladin for the rest of the episode. Oh, Every man. comment about Saladin has to be positive because he's my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> because all he does is just like, he has these big plank teeth and he just goes like, Michael Ragland! <laughs> yeah. Michael Ragland! <laughs> Which is when we learned his last name. Josh. That's not where we learned their last name. That is when we learned the gargled syllables <laughs> that sort of make up their last name. <laughs> 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 oh, they, they, and then they run away. Like he, not, not, not only does he let them escape, he tells them to escape. He's like, run, <laughs> run. And then like, you see Thomas is like light jogging and like he goes, run. He's like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll run a little faster. <laughs> he just stands in the doorway and taunts them. So yeah, so they bring... Princess Luna back to Thomas's apartment. Oh, but this is when we get uh, before they get there. Uh, oh, <laughs> this is where the bikers return as zombies. Yes, laser eyed because of course they are zombies. They have a second battle with the rejects, but who have now been zombified by Salatin's power and have are armed with. Are we ever sure it's by Salatin? We do we ever get confirmation that this is that the bikers are zombified by Salatin? Or was it something completely different because I argue it is? That's true, Josh. They may just be unrelated unrelated zombies. zombies. (laughs) There are a lot of key things I want to bring up with this fight. Like, again, it was pretty cool. Like, there were some effects that were, like, pretty rad. I particularly want to draw attention to, like, at one point, Ulrich laser blasts people with an amulet that I thought was, like, pretty sweet. <laughs> he just yeah. eviscerates he a guy. He's disappearing in front of people to then end up behind them and just, like, kicking them in, t- in the butt into piles of trash. Yeah, some hijinks. And then, 
And then he makes the guy explode. And I was like, whoa, why are you doing anything else? Just make everybody explode. At the beginning of this fight, he, uh, Michael puts the amulet of Morgan Le Fay on Princess Luna, which makes her disappear. And they sell it with a actually pretty good visual effect of like an, a floating amulet that looks like it's on someone's neck. Like it doesn't protect her any more than if she was just sitting there. She, you can still tell where the princess is by the floating amulet. She's the still there and in mortal danger. The amulet of Morgan Le Fay will not protect her from the jousting biker, which is the best part. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a serious highlight of that fight scene is at one point, one oh. of the rejects shows up on a motorcycle with a uh, lance to joust Michael, and Michael creates a sort of laser lance that he throws at the motorcycle, and the effect of the motorcycle like exploding and flipping the guy off was like, I would yeah. call it death defying, but I'm not sure that that actor didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the fight scene that the first fight scene should have been where it's actually magic up against yeah. like bikers. So they walk back with the invisible princess to Thomas's apartment. The mime work is spectacular. Is a word. I mean, the movie the movie thought enough to say as they were lifting up the carpet, be like, oh, excuse me, princess, and lift her up. <laughs> yeah, they, they move the carpet, they move the furniture around. Uh, Ellen is not pleased that they're setting up a summoning circle. Oh, yeah. I was hard team Ellen during this scene. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. She's like, I, I didn't want to rearrange the, I didn't want to rearrange the furniture. What are you doing? Tommy, can you tell your new friends to stop it? There is absolutely Absolutely zero percent that these pieces of shit are going to mop up that chalk and salt and <laughs> candle wax they're leaving on her hardwood floors. No way. I think you should love your partner, and if your partner needs to create a chalk and, and salt circle, you know what? You just have to let them live spoken, and let live, baby. Spoken by a man who has filled his wife's walk-in closet with VHS tapes. <laughs> this makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, she filled my tape room with clothes. <laughs> you got your chocolate in my peanut butter. <laughs> she filled my tape room with <laughs> But our heroes leave the princess in a, like, salt circle and candles where in which she will be protected from Salatin's yep. dark And arts. she reappears. But Ellen has to stay there to tend the candles because if they go out, the protection will be broken. Yeah, and she never, and, and it's not, and I will say, Greg, uh, again, Team Ellen, she may have her um, misgivings about this whole thing, but it is not Ellen who fucks this mission up. She does no, her job and protects Until that Until she has to be at work at noon. Until she has to be at work for a shift from noon to eight, which means she's fucking awesome. I love, I love <laughs> Ellen's life. I want Ellen's life. Yep. So our heroes, our, our trio of heroes split up, uh, Michael and Thomas... Because uh, Salton let slip that it is written that he will get back what is his, what he stole. So it's Michael and Thomas head to the library. They and then they run into the most '80s sort of side villain, which is uh, the librarian. It's it, it, which is the librarian. It's like yeah. I love how anti knowledge the '80s are that they're <laughs> that they're just like librarians, the true villain. Right. With, what with their processing time and rules. <laughs> They have so much paperwork to fill out right. just to go to access these books. Right. Well, they're not. Um, again, this was like this was a post Reagan world. They're anti 
uh, any impediment to like individual access to power. Like anti-bureaucracy <laughs> all the way and anti-woman totally. So of course <laughs> a side villain. Please, anti-wench. Anti-wench. Anti-wench, sorry. Of course a like female librarian standing in the way of them like finding the books they need is... She is really more a threat than Saladin for a good, <laughs> more, a good yeah. portion of this movie. And with their powers combined... I think woo. was genuinely my biggest laugh of the movie. When uh, the librarian gives Thomas the like sign-up sheet to be a registered researcher, and Michael, just with magic, fills it out. It's perfect! Where were you during finals week? Dead. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really good. That was a really funny line. It was really good. So I like like how the movie posits that Ulrich and Michael can create money out of nothing, but cannot create a past that says that they can go look at these books. It also requires way too much imagination for them. No, their imagination is limited to sweet-talking locks. My favorite line. My favorite line. Wouldst thou do us the honor of opening for us? I am told thou art the strongest of lock and can hold back an army. But there are those who claim thou cannot open without thy key. Canst thou? Locks are very vain. Ulrich once got out of jail by telling a lock he was in love with it. You just gotta neg those locks. Yeah. Hey, I've seen I've seen a, a better uh, a lock down the street. Maybe I'll go hang out with that lock it, instead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, again, this movie fucks. Like, everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything, or, or, including and, locks. I I loved that little bit of business. That's some world building that I can really get behind. And then they're in the the dustiest, cobwebbiest basement. Michael sees, like, finds a book that he himself wrote in in his own future. Oh, my God. And Michael feels great because he's like, oh, that means we must win because I write this book later. And Thomas says, written or not, we still have to do it. Which I just feels like was what all the actors were saying while they were making this movie. That, that was like, as like th- their call to action amongst the crew was like, hey, written or not, we gotta, we right gotta before finish. every <laughs> shot, they psyched themselves up by saying written, written or not. Or not. No, what I love about this book that he wrote is he says that <laughs> he kills a dragon in 990 when it tries to eat one of his children. That's a year after they left, basically. Two, yeah, so, a year or two, yeah. So Michael the Virgin in this future, or in, in in this book, has multiple children within the year, basically, that he has to protect from this dragon. Like, no time is passing. Well, and then he says, time is the greatest magic of all, <laughs> which just felt like ICP lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> Like, if you followed up with fucking magnets, how do they work? (laughs) (laughs) Princess Luna is popping out Irish twins in the epilogue of this movie. (laughs) Sure. Uh, so yeah, so they do battle with the librarian who, when she finds them in the amongst the forbidden books, comes back as a deadite, comes back as a demon. Oh, Again, beautiful. unsure of whether it's because of Saladin or or something. Totally I think separate. she's just a demon. <laughs> yeah, I think she's just the protector of this library. Right. And and uh, again, uh, Josh, you're right. She she like bests them at every corner, and even in the end, they don't defeat her. Thomas just kind of banishes her away. Like they don't kill the library. Yeah. Demon. She just, yeah, he just makes her run away. Yeah, he just goes like, scat, get out of here, scat. 
out of here. Well, there, he's a good wizard. He doesn't he doesn't want to kill for no reason. Right. Then he's, he's got to bring him back, and that's illegal, and that just creates all this more paperwork. Right. It's all paperwork. In, in the mean, in the meantime, while all this adventure is happening, we have to cut back to Ulrich. Casey, we're not gonna cut back to Ulrich. We're going to flip the screen back to Ulrich. Yeah. Well, I have hamburger when you could have steak. Yeah. Uh, but this is skipping over Salatin uh, making the books fly around and helping them. Yeah, because they're like, well, listen, you can't defeat us if we don't know where to find you. And Saladin's like, good point. Here, here's another riddle to find me. Oh, no, I did want to skip over that because the movie skips over that. There's that riddle <laughs> goes nowhere. They find a riddle. Like, uh, uh, find the forest by seeking out the trees. What and was then, the, uh, is it just because it was a paper factory? I like, don't think we ever get the answer. Oh, maybe because it's cardboard? I don't know what the answer to that riddle was. Nothing. They, no, they don't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It means nothing. Oh. Because the movie has more important things to do, which is watch the other wizard who can manifest gold in his hands haggle price <laughs> with a sex worker. Ulrich, stray not from thy sworn duty. There are many temptations in this land, but thou shalt have time for none of them. Until later. Then thou can hump thy ass off. Ooh, baby, you want some fun? Ulrich, Ulrich, Ulrich. Go to the hall. Ulrich, go to the hall. Saladin then, one they go inside, uh, into the motel, and then... The scene of scenes, honestly. Uh, and then Saladin appears uh, in the mirror behind him, and with... Like next to no convincing, no effort is able to sway Ulrich to join his quest. I love me a heel turn, and so I was really down for this part of the movie. I love because Ulrich, yeah, like he's the less moral of the two brothers. So it's like, yeah, I could, I see this. I see him becoming the villain now, or like or on a, a dime, turn. he turns, pledges himself to Salatin, and then Salatin just says. Now go pleasure thyself with thy whore. Now fornicate with that whore and thy yeah. pleasure be in my name. Yeah. Hey, go fuck that broad and think of me, bro. <laughs> well, that's where, I mean, the whole reason for the fucking sassy old one who is like, he's actually your stepbrother is now he can turn... Ulrich's mind because it's a false brother it's not your real brother the fact that he has more power than you he mocks you with his very existence I like how Saladin is like Uncle Frank level evil (laughs) what you did you little jerk I need a son a princess shall bury that son a royal son of my flesh and blood not a sorceress blood shall claim the throne and I shall have power over the centuries and thou could rule beside me. And after he sleeps with her, he just straight up murders the, the I was, prostitute. I was so upset. Not okay. I was so Not okay so with that. Upset. He's evil. What is he going to do? Let her live? What? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just, you know, she was a good businesswoman and like. She was just doing her job. And didn't make fun of him that he came out of the bathroom in a little diapy. He came. <laughs> he came <laughs> like, walked into the bedroom in a little loincloth diaper. <laughs> And she was totally cool. Again, he's under the direction now of the ultimate evil. The word, the best thing he could do is kill her. Like yeah. he could, That's he could send, he could send her to hells of which we cannot Ooh. imagine. Right. Death That's, is the yeah. easy Or way. he can make her have random sex in a park with another random person <laughs> in the park. 
again, oh. like a fucking tone shift on a dime. He's just, we've just seen, <laughs> we've just seen up until this moment, the hero of the story murder a sex worker in cold blood. And then the next scene is Saladin like whispers Making like, old people. Yeah, do you like this world? It's yours. Take it. Do whatever you want. And what Ulrich wants is to make two old joggers fuck behind a bush. <laughs> and they and, do. Yeah. And their clothes go flying and there's goofy music. Yeah. It's baffling. Yeah, then Ulrich uh, betrays everyone by he, he sort of, Ellen has to leave to go to work. He wipes away the salt circle and blows out the candles so Saladin can come in and steal Princess Luna. The thing is, is we have been talking for so long about this movie, and I don't know like where to even enter the final battle. It's well, the so final much. battle is gibberish. Here's, <laughs> here's our impression of the final battle. Josh, you ready? Yeah. Pew, 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 Yeah, it's a fight in a box warehouse yeah. <laughs> with all the magic, which includes Mr. Grimm's special skull thing, oh. a flying throne punch from, oh. you know, every Mortal Kombat game. It's it's so my notes here begin to sound like the ravings of a madman. <laughs> oh, man, I love that when they get there, there's no parking and Michael just erases a car from existence. When do I learn that one? That is so L.A. It fucking hurts. <laughs> So we have to set the scene. This is the box factory from uh, Bart Gets Famous in The Simpsons. I think it's actually misleading to call it a box factory. It's not a place where they make boxes. It's a place where they store empty cardboard boxes. They, they store and sell intact. cardboard boxes. Intact, That's set up. intact taped, clothes. Completely already uh, put together cardboard boxes. Uh, and then everyone inside is frozen except for two mummies? <laughs> and then they go to the back room and then there's a guy begging to Saladin and again we get a hint of a bigger better movie we have always served you well in the old one's days the swineherd begs for his swine and do not invoke the old one to me soon I shall be on his throne as well as my earthly one but you shall not see that glorious day your betrayal makes you unworthy the old one knows I am innocent. May I burn in hell if I lie. You shall, anyway. No! 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 Say hello to the old one for me. And then, like, unleashes a bunch of visual effects on it. <laughs> Animorphs, sword grenade, duplication, ghost skulls, somehow a fire, ray gun that turns into a snake. <laughs> yeah, I love all that. This is every fighting game on Sega. Flying punches, red shit, shields, <laughs> boxes. Oh, yeah, the ghost punching, too. Like, the Thomas now has... In very, very quickly mastered magic. I would say that uh, despite maybe my other misgivings about this movie, I would, uh, in general, I don't really like magic in movies because <gasps> it's never done great. How dare you? And now it becomes clear. No, I, I because magic <laughs> is magic is so often used to just be like a screenwriter trick, and then when it like just to be like, 
why can this character do these things? Uh, because magic is always the answer in most movies. And then when it gets down to like the sorcerers doing battle, it's just like laser beaming at each other, which is what I was worried this movie was going to be. Because the beginning of the fight is... Yeah, like, Michael and Thomas walk in, Michael gives Thomas a charm and says, you're a wizard now, Harry, and uh, uh, Michael and Saladin start to do battle, they're shooting laser beams at each other, Ulrich, who's on Saladin's side, is, like, misdirecting Michael's lasers away, but then, actually, I think, and I'm trying to rack my brain, but this is my favorite magic fight in movies, because it genuinely does become, like, we're doing all the spells we know. Yeah. Yeah. This is where I will uh, I will definitely agree with with Casey. Uh so I know we disagree very heavily on this. So this is maybe our biggest uh disagreement. Biggest fight. You know what I'm going to say? My favorite Harry Potter uh, film. Get out. Harry Potter the Prisoner of Azkaban. It's going to wreck the marriage long term. Uh, so what I love so much about that movie and I think what what uh Koran brings to the whole franchise is the like realism behind magic. And my favorite shot in that whole film is uh there's a wizard in the Leaky Cauldron who's reading Stephen Hawking casually stirring his tea with magic and it's just like oh, yeah, magic is just this thing. And it's this personification of magic that I had never seen in film before that was really, really compelling. And I think that is then brought through the rest of the films. This movie is is great because most exploitation movies have a tendency of overselling their product with their title. And this movie drastically undersells it. It says Lords of Magic, and you imagine, ah, there's probably like a little bit of magic. This movie is wall-to-wall fucking crazy fuck ton of magic. There's so much magic. There's so many different types of magic. It's missiles. Yeah. It's glowy, glowy eyes. It's lasers. It's uh, 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 a peering tiger thing. Uh, it's undead oh, people. God. It's it's surprise zombies. It's busting out of boxes. It's disappearing. It's reappearing. It's flying. Everything. It's cloning. It's shrinking. It's cloning. It's like, it's so many things. Yeah, it's the, the whatever effect house... Uh, I think they're called uh, Wizards. Is the company that did the effects Shut in this movie? Serious? I, I not. That isn't even a joke. The That's company, the wonderful. That did the special effects is called Wizards. They just threw like we're gonna do everything we know how to do. I'm pretty like, sure they destroyed about eight video toasters making this sequence. Yeah. Just overloaded them. Uh, even I mean, you know. I don't want to talk about the Harry Potter movies too much because I saw, we started to talk about a Hollywood movie and I saw Greg's eyes just glaze. <laughs> uh, but like, even those movies, like at a, at a certain point they devolve into just like a Dragon Ball Z beam fight where we're just shooting like two power beams that turn into soap suds for some reason. That's <laughs> uh, the entire last battle. This one is like, yeah, it's like there are there are like phantom knives that get thrown at each other. There are oh, laser beams. Phantom at one point, Michael gets shrunk and is about to be stepped on and then he turns himself into like a nail or something. Yep. It, it, it's pretty rad and it's a pretty like long and rad fight scene that takes a lot of different twists and turns. The script originally just said End fight scene. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. And, so, and they delivered. So throughout the thing, Michael and Salatin are fighting each other. Meanwhile, the like side battle is Thomas, who has now gained some mastery of wizard powers, is fighting Ulrich, or at least preventing Ulrich from sabotaging Michael. Right. 
and it gets to a point where uh, this is this is so this is where maybe this movie its most brilliant turn. Salatin calls upon the powers of the old ones to like destroy Michael and Thomas, and then Salatin himself, like the hit that hits him the hardest, is this like suddenly like fucking slipknot masks <laughs> like appears in the air and like a fireball hits him and i didn't i didn't read it as that was something michael did no i think that's the old ones i think this was like you've flown too close to the sun basically and like we're yeah. shutting you down the scene, oh. the scene opens with Salatin like destroying a priest of the old ones, and I think that I think you mean an office manager of the old ones, Morgan. (laughs) Right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, I think that was like the old ones fucking getting him back, and then well, he's burned to a crisp, and then he uses his powers to call forth zombies from hell to. In a similar way, he says that he did to Michael's father. Use Michael's flesh to heal him. Yep. And the Thomas saves Michael. Thomas convinces Ulrich to like be himself help again. Your brother, be yourself. Yep. So Ulrich saves Michael from the zombie. What have I done? Yeah, yeah, Ulrich is about to get pulled by the zombies, and then Michael and Thomas save Ulrich from the zombies, and then with uh, his last fire blast, Salatin kills Ulrich. Which fucking co- Thomas and Michael then go fucking beast mode on Saladin, <laughs> just like laser blast that dude into bones. They just make him bones. They went so hard on this fight, like throwing everything at it, that you would expect like the next thing will be like, oh, the ground is shaking. This whole place is gonna collapse, and you'd see like roof, like uh, roofs bending in, and like it's gonna come down on them. But no, you don't see any of that. You see a singular silent cardboard box on fire <laughs> tip over, <laughs> and then Michael goes, "We gotta get out of here." <laughs> Well, I mean, we don't know how ventilated that cardboard <laughs> box warehouse was. Carbon monoxide, that's the real silent killer. <laughs> you want to get out of there. It's just it's just this locked off shot and it just goes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, so they defeat Saladin, they say goodbye to Thomas. Uh, Michael. It's unclear if Thomas gets to keep any of these magical powers. By the way, like we don't. Oh yeah. We don't stick around to see like if he actually gets to keep being a wizard. Yeah. Peace out, Thomas. Good luck, bro. Uh, We they return back to the past. Right. With and bury Ulrich and uh, yeah, we get a crazy fucking green screen cut that I I really gave me some juice when they like he buries Ulrich and then we we like track backwards <gasps> and green yes. screen through a window into <laughs> the king's throne room. What a shot. Well, before that, though, he's talking to Luna and he wants to marry her and she's like, I can't because you're a wizard and I'm royalty. And he's like, if only there was a way. And then we go <laughs> yes, into the court. That setup. that setup is beautiful. And then we go into the court and the king is like, for helping me in defeating Saladin, I will grant you one wish. And you're like, he's gonna ask if he could have his uh, uh, Luna's hand in marriage. He just goes, I want 
to bring my brother back. And, and the look on her face is is so good because it's such it's such a fucking slap in the face, which is the movie slapping the face of every woman in the movie. So yeah. like the one time somebody could do something nice for a woman, and, and it's just like, nope, I want my lecherous bearded mulleted brother back. Also, couldn't he have just like brought his brother back to life? in on earth and then like no one would have known that they resurrected him like princess luna is the only one who knows he's dead yeah and like i think she'd be cool about it she would probably cover it up Ah, she seemed pretty like by the book (laughs) (laughs) you think she would rat him out as soon as i got back to the past (laughs) she's a narc But that's why, that's why fucking Michael uh, this whole time has been set up like he's the like cherubic, like good guy to Ulrich's like uh, lecherous dog. But Michael's the pimp of pimps, man. He is like, he, it's yeah, the, the scene where he's negging, like, really. He's it's like, like the ultimate negging of like, if only there was some way I could marry you. <laughs> right. Over his brother's dead body. <laughs> Michael's like, could you ever imagine? No, I shouldn't say it. It's stupid. <laughs> and, and she's like, what? What What do you mean? And he's like, well, I don't know. It's just that, like, a wizard's wife gets a bunch of powers and shit. Uh, you know, so, like, if you were to marry a wizard, I mean, if you could find one who's, like, cool and save your life and stuff, like, you'd probably get a bunch of powers. Anyway, let's go back to your dad. That level of negging, he not only gets the permission to bring his brother back, but she does the heavy lifting of asking her dad to marry him. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't ask. Yeah, he gets her to make him a nobleman just without asking. Yeah. Oh she my makes God, him a lord. No, 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 no. This is ultimate nerd wish fulfillment, which is just yes. like just like here's a hot chick who asked me to marry her. The 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 prostitute paid me, I promise. Like, <laughs> he didn't even have to he didn't have to do the one bit of like awkwardness, which is like ask her father for permission. She did that for him. Yep. He's the pimp of pimps. And then like, he doesn't even she hands him yeah. a scroll and he's like, Alright, I'm a nobleman. And then they just run off and then she asks him the greatest lines. Father says if thee would still bring back thy brother, then he gives permission. <laughs> but never again. But will thou keep thy promise? All and more. We shall be married in the traditional magic manner. Come on. What about Ulrich? Uh, he'll keep. Not since Some Like It Hot has there been a better ending line to a movie. <laughs> Honestly, I, you know, having my mixed opinions, that ending, I was like, all right, movie. That's pretty good. That's pretty fucking good. Hawk, dear friends, listen close to this bard as he gives you a taste of the ripoff report card. <laughs> Today's ripoff report card's a little. <laughs> I love this. Bard Casey is the best, Casey. Today's ripoff report card is a little different. Despite the heart and soul of this movie, no one thought it especially smart to trust nearly anyone involved with any money for another movie. (laughs) (laughs) Director David Marge never made anything else. Actor Jarrett Parker, who played Michael, appeared as himself in the following two television shows. 
Wizard Wars, and Shark Tank. <laughs> what? What was he selling on Shark Tank? I need to know. Oh, God, I hope it was Lords of Magic 2. <laughs> so we're left with writer Sherman Hirsch, whose filmography is less than prodigious. He has two credits in 1989, Lords of Magic, and the story credit for Andy, Staten Island gore film Milligan's final feature, Surgical. <laughs> As someone who'd like to know more about the Lords of Magic, I found an essay penned by Sherman Hirsch. Some of the choice excerpts include, in the mid eighties, before DVDs and downloads made independent films a popular commodity, a lot of indie films were made for the growing cable TV market. Cable fodder was the derisive term for these movies, describing their marginal quality and lack of strong box office cast members. However, the market was profitable for a while, and many filmmakers tried to get on board. I got involved with David Marsh, a producer-director who wanted to crack the made-for-cable thing. Give me a film I could shoot in two weeks for $120,000, he said. I used Ghostbusters as a plot model. This caused the director to brag to anyone who would listen, It's a lot like Ghostbusters, he said. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't want to spend a lot of money on period props, sets, etc., and made me set most of the story in modern times, a thousand years out from the time of our heroes, hence my original title, The Thousand Year Quest. Ooh. Oh, much better title. I wrote the first draft of Lords of Magic while I was on jury duty. <laughs> the other jurors would watch me writing notes in my little notebook and were sure I was writing a movie about the case. Little did they know. <laughs> hey, this guy's a rocks. I love him. Jarrett Parker, as our Frodo-ish nice wizard, Michael Redglenn, was a professional magician. <gasps> Salatin, our boogeyman, was a male model and ardent surfer. Yikes! <laughs> I always thought he was too pretty for the part. Okay, sure enough. What? No. <laughs> Somehow a two-week shoot costing $120,000 took almost a year to finish and cost a half a million. Oh my god! I watched the shooting of action scenes involving the Rejects gang before and after they were possessed as were shot in West Hollywood. This is the scene in which Ron Jeremy, adult movie star, <gasps> yeah. director, and trauma regular played a zombie who gets blown up. What? After his scenes were completed, he hung around the set wearing only his undies. Okay. Oh, oh my God. God. Okay. And the rest of the article is Sherman responding to an IMDb critique of the movie. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, according to IMDb, there's a reject who is credited as Ron Hyatt. Now, Ronald Jeremy Hyatt is the legal name of porn star Ron Jeremy. And what is amazing about this is in an interview with uh, for an article called A Tale of Two Conferences about a hotel that had a porn star conference or something like that, uh, Ron Jeremy <laughs> talked about his entree into the world of adult entertainment. His girlfriend sent a picture of him naked to Playgirl magazine, and he was credited as Ron Hyatt. But his father told him, if you want to get into this naked, crazy business, so be it. But if you use the family name again, I'll kill you. So, so he started <laughs> acting as Ron Jeremy. But 
this movie was made like 10 years after Ron Jeremy had started being in adult films. So, so he like, used his real, his family name for this movie because it wouldn't bring yeah, shame on it? Yeah, apparently this was the movie that was like, this is what my father would want. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ripoff report. Yay. Yay. That was the tale of this group of buds who got together and made this film dud. Alright, alright. As with all films shown here at Video High, what from the Lords of Magic could be featured on the final test? Time is the greatest magic of all, and the time spent watching this movie is well worth it. I would also say that my final lesson is that time is the greatest magic of all because with time, I realized that I actually did enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what's great is is that after you watch it, you will forget so much of it because there's too much to remember. And then when you watch it a second time, you go, oh my God, I forgot about this. Time is definitely the greatest magic of all. Uh, paperwork is the enemy of all. Uh, and... Uh, Deadites are awesome. I just want to watch Army of Darkness again. <laughs> My final thought is that perfect movies do in fact exist. <laughs> and they often destroy the careers of those who make them because the world isn't ready for perfection. It is it's actually crazy because it just the, the amount that they've that they got done for as little as they had. Seriously. Honestly shows like a, like a lot of ingenuity. That's how you get in a, a legitimately incredible fight scene, magic fight scene, in a box factory. <laughs> this movie, uh, as... Oh no, Casey, don't. Do it! This, do it! Yes, do it, Casey! Do it! Go to your whore, Casey! Uh, this movie, much like its main characters, climaxed in boxes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bell, meaning an end to another class here at Video High. Thank you so much for listening to our lesson on the movie, The Lords of Magic. Gotta give hugs and kisses to everyone who makes this show possible. Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra and Gabriella Tessitore of the band Scout Harris for our theme song. Justin Ferraro for the rest of our music. Ann Shearer for our lovely logo. And our teacher, Mr. Philip Marlowe. For the next lesson, we will be watching 1994's Cynthia Rothrock martial arts masterpiece, Guardian Angel. So be sure to listen to that episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, including the Up In Your Ears podcast network alongside shows such as Does It Suck Now? Where four friends watch a movie from their childhood and ask, Does It Suck Now? Thank you, and we'll see you next period. Kisseth my asseth, man. (laughs) (laughs) Up Up in in your your ears. ears. Podcast Network.